Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going on, everybody? This is the first episode of the Studio Local podcast. Creation is crazy. I don't know how you got here, but thanks for getting here. I really do appreciate it. So here's the deal. This is the intro to the podcast to tell you what it is and who it's for and why you may or may not find it interesting. But my name is Andrew Allen, and I'm the founder of a small, and I'm even being generous saying small, film production company called Studio Loco, hence the title of the podcast. And Studio Loco is responsible for one and only one film that is about to be released in just a few months' time that I wrote, directed, produced, and largely financed. And the title of that film is Glow. And if you stick around long enough, you're going to hear a lot about Glow. In fact, this entire podcast, for now at least, is marketing content, an episodic commercial, whatever you want to call it to promote the release of the film, because the bombshell announcement is, drumroll please, I am self-distributing Glow. I'm the one doing the marketing. I'm making the deals with the theaters. I'm in charge of making sure that you, the general public, shows up and watches this thing. I'll be talking about the plans for the release very soon, but the basic idea is that I'm touring the movie around the country, doing limited engagement screenings in various cities, and once that tour is over, then I will release the film on DVD, Blu-ray, and digital download. So that is how you can see it, if you have been one of the ones asking about that. But as I've already referenced several times in the span of just a couple of minutes, I'm fully admitting to the fact that I am a nobody. That I haven't made it. That nobody really cares about me or what I've done artistically thus far. And when I say nobody, I'm not talking to you listeners, don't get offended. I'm talking about the masses. There's no audience of people that's clamoring to see my film or what I do with my career. I don't have fans. Which is fine. I realize everybody starts out that way. I realize in order to get fans, you have to make something or at least be known for something. But see, a movie is a really expensive thing. And while my movie costs a lot less than an average movie to make, it still costs a lot of money that I would like to get back and then some. And how do you make money on a movie? You recruit fans of the parties involved or fans of similar movies to show up and pay for it. But this is a weird situation to be in as a first-time filmmaker because not only do I lack a fan base, but no one involved in my film has one either, at least of any significant number. And as far as recruiting fans of similar movies go, yeah, I can do that and I will, but realistically speaking, there are not going to be as many people interested in a film like mine as opposed to one with a bunch of superheroes or cutesy romantic moments or hilarious fart jokes, though Glow does have one fart joke in there. Proud of that. All that to say, it's going to be very, very difficult, many would say impossible, to get 10,000 or more butts in seats to see this movie, which is what I plan on happening without any stars, without a genre with the built-in audience, and pretty much without a marketing budget. So what am I going to do to make that happen? Make a podcast. Mega podcast. Oh, we're on the podcast right now. Oh, great. It's already done. I'm one eleven hundredth of the way to a successful release of my film. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to work. And uh, the people listening right now might be the exact same people listening on episode eight, two months from now. I don't know. But it's worth a shot.
And as I said before, in order to have fans, you have to be known for something, whether it be the art that you've already released or a goofy video that you put on YouTube, or maybe you just have a really nice butt and you like to take pictures of it in your bathroom while you make this face. Bottom line, you have to release something to the public that they find valuable in order for them to then give you something valuable of theirs, like their money, in return. I don't want to be known as the podcast guy forever, by no means, but for now, it's what I've got. It's my version of a big booty pick. It's the one valuable offering that I feel I'm willing to give up for free. And I do think this show will be valuable to a certain audience, despite my lack of cachet in the film industry or celebrity status. This show is valuable because I'm a passionate guy who just went through hell to get something done, and I've learned something from it. And so I'll tell you some of what I've learned, and I'll tell you the story of how I got my first film done. And I'll also just talk about the film industry and creativity and other things that inform who I am and why I've made the choices I've made in the past couple of years. But ultimately, this show is about something bigger than that. This show is about turning an idea into a reality and how hard that is. How it really is a crazy concept to make something from nothing. How does that happen? And so if you're struggling getting something off the ground or you're right in the thick of a really difficult task and you need encouragement, or maybe you just want to laugh and listen to some cool stories about how a guy almost killed himself over a movie, then this is the podcast for you. I want to make a deal with you. If I succeed at entertaining you, at educating you, at lifting you up as a human being from this show, I would like your help. I'd like you to see my movie, and I'd like for you to tell Two people. If you tell more, that's great, but tell two other people about this film and this podcast. It's a good movie, and I sure as hell wouldn't make this deal if it wasn't. I'm not here to sucker some saps into seeing a piece of junk, but you won't regret seeing it. It's worth your time, and I need to be as honest as possible right from the get-go that the success of the release of this movie depends on you. Believe me, I will do everything in my power over the next couple of months to come up with some cool stuff to lure you into seeing this movie. But I don't have the money or resources to get that stuff in front of enough eyeballs on my own. I need you. So again, if you dig this podcast, see the movie, tell two people, shake hands, deal. Great. Let's start this thing.
Annie! Annie, what was that? What was what? That voice just now. What was it? We didn't hear anything. All right. Hello again. So every episode, I'm going to tell you a story. My story. Specifically the part of my story that involves filmmaking, my career, what have you. I'm going to give you the general progression of my relationship with film from inkling of an interest to unstoppable passion, with many of the very unromantic details in between. I'm not going to tell you everything. That would be weird. Some things really are better left unsaid publicly. But I am going to be more naked with you than 99.9% .9 of people in the film industry are about their projects typically. And hopefully that will prove interesting. And just for the record, I apologize in advance if any of this comes off as self-indulgent. Believe me, I kind of despise myself right now for the number of details that I'm about to share with complete strangers. But if I am going to tell the story of how I became a filmmaker and eventually made my first feature film entitled Glow coming to theaters fall 2016, then I gotta give you the full experience. In order to begin this story, as hack Freudian as it may be, I gotta go back to where most things begin, childhood. I grew up in a middle-class home in Dallas, Texas, two brothers, one sister. We had a very conservative upbringing, church and school being the main things we were encouraged to pursue. But yet some kind of artistry flowed in our veins, which makes sense considering my dad's whole side of the family pretty much knows how to draw, paint, and design things pretty well. My mom's side, they got other things going for them. We didn't have some artsy-fartsy upbringing though. We were involved in sports, played with our neighbors on our block, dug holes in the ground, you know, kid shit. I'm gonna sound like a grumpy old man at the ripe old age of 26, but even though we logged more than a few hours in our Nintendo 64 growing up, I'm pretty sure that my generation will be the last one to ever have what I would consider a normal childhood composed of sunshine and scraped knees and imagination. Anyways, maybe you can blame it on genetics or maybe you can blame it on the fact that kids in the 90s were still expected to entertain themselves rather than consume hours upon hours of various forms of media before their next insulin shot to combat the diabetes. Or maybe you can blame it on both. Nature versus nurtures a lot like hockey. There's a fair amount of ties, but that's neither here nor there. Bottom line, you get it. Normal, relatively happy childhood and all. There was artistry in me and my siblings. Some of us could draw, some of us could paint, some of us could sing, some of us could do it all. And the more I think about it, those are some of my fondest memories of growing up, of doing some kind of performance or coming up with a story or writing a song or making a video with my siblings. And videos, movies, whatever you want to call them, quickly became one of my favorite hobbies based on those experiences. Now, we in the Allen household undoubtedly had humble beginnings to our video production careers. So, she kept on going. She never knew where to stop. But the older we got, the more you could see the wheels were actually turning. School projects in particular spurred my interest in filmmaking. 
In my school, you were usually asked to come up with some kind of visual aid to accompany a presentation. And most people, they just do some lame poster board and people will be snoring by the end of their three minutes in front of the class. But with me, I'd make a movie and I'd be a hero for the rest of the day. And that was really the first stage where I realized I love to make people laugh. I, I just wanted to entertain people. I never went for something serious. Hell, I turned Lou Gehrig's disease into an action comedy about a devious villain by the name of ALS wrecking a guy's central nervous system. Good times. But this all culminated in a film that I made between my ninth and 10th grade of high school called The Insider, of no relation to the Michael Mann cigarette industry movie starring Al Pacino and Russell Crowe. No, my movie is about a nerd named Lenny who never does anything except get on his computer until one day a storm hits, shorts out his laptop, and he's forced to pursue a deeper relationship with his much more athletic and emotionally intelligent little sister by playing outside. The film is horrifically made technically, but has heart, soul, and I would even consider talent from a storytelling perspective. To this day, for its time, I'm really proud of The Insider. I like that movie. And nobody told me to make it. I wasn't doing it for career purposes when I was 14. I just wanted to make it. We'd wake up every day of that summer and just chip away at this thing because it was fun. I ended up showing that movie at school. I had to get the content approved by the administration to use their facilities. And we held three screenings of my 50-something minute film. And I just remember watching the audience watch my movie and hearing their laughter and finally applause. And I really liked that feeling. I don't know, maybe that makes me a little bit of a whore, but. I think it's a little bit deeper than that. I think that's why I do what I do and why most artists create, to communicate. You know, it's not just enough to make something. You want to get a reaction to whatever was inside of you when you made that thing. Thankfully, the reactions to the film were very positive and I was hooked. And from that point forward, I kept telling myself, I, I, I guess I'll be a filmmaker. I don't suck at this. And so for the rest of my high school career, despite playing on the basketball team, acting in school plays, excelling in academics, I was branded the movie guy above all. This momentum continued as I punched my ticket to University of Texas Film School. Upon graduating high school, I had hopes of soon entering a place in which I was to take what I knew was unrefined talent and transform it into undeniable skill. By coupling my passion with technical knowledge I did not yet have access to, a healthy pressure to practice my craft, and like-minded individuals who had a similar drive as I had. Whether that did or didn't exist at UT Film School at the time is up for debate, but I personally did not feel pushed or tested to the extent that I wanted to while in school. There was an ambition waiting to get out that school couldn't satisfy. The first and perhaps clearest manifestation of this feeling in me was my decision to start writing a feature screenplay after my first semester of school. After one measly semester in which none of my school projects really had anything to do with filmmaking, I returned home to Dallas frustrated, wondering what I'd got myself into. 
I never really considered dropping out, but I also realized early on that film school alone wasn't going to be enough for me during these years. I was going to have to make it my own. And in this train of thought, I started thinking, am I going to even like any of the projects that I make? I don't really like short films. I like feature films. I want to make a feature film, I said. And so I started brainstorming. And I came up with some characters and scenes and a general tone popped into my head. But I didn't know how they all fit together. And then I realized that was what this project was going to be. Something where you didn't know how the characters were related, but were somehow united by plot, theme, or some other kind of narrative transcendence. But I couldn't think of a title. A fateful moment happened though, as I recalled, the very first scene I thought up. It involves a little boy talking to a jar of fireflies as his parents argue in another room. The boy ends up giving up on the one-sided conversation, goes to sleep, and the dim light of the firefly beams on and off, on and off, on and off. A battle between light and dark on a miniature scale. My pen wrote the word glow. And my life has not been the same ever since. A lot of people have ideas. And I wrote mine down. And that is where we'll leave off for next time. Next time I will talk about writing said screenplay, along with a little bit about my first attempts to come up with a budget to make it. See you then. Hey, Joe. Oh, hey, Drew. I've got an announcement. Okay. Could you, uh, could you put the phone down? Hold on. I really need to find out how much Demetri Martin's net worth is. Ew. What's up, Drew? You know how I'm self-distributing my movie, right? Yeah. Quite a bit to do to make that a success. I agree. Marketing, PR, advertising. A lot of work. So much blood, sweat, and tears. I'm literally bleeding, sweating, and crying thinking about all the work you have to do. And I appreciate that. But uh, I've been mulling it over, and I think I'm going to do a podcast to promote the release of my movie. What? Drew, don't do a podcast. Why not? Everybody does podcasts now. They're like blogs. Not everyone. My mom has a podcast. You know things aren't cool anymore when moms get on board. Your mom has a podcast? No, but I bet one of them does. Don't do this to yourself. No one's going to listen. We'll make them listen. How? We'll make it good. And we'll do video. People love videos. Not if you're not a celebrity or some would-be actor in LA who cuts 20 times a minute while teaching people how to slice an avocado. Hey, YouTube! Why am I wearing green today? We're slicing avocado. I would like to slice an avocado, please. Slicing, slicing, slicing. Uh, we're slicing, we're dicing. We're slicing, we're dicing. Grandma, can I have another slice? Slice, 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 slice. Those are YouTubers. This is different. It's a completely different kind of broadcasting. How is this any different? We'll make our smart-ish. Like Charlie Rose.
Your father was a manufacturer of American-made refrigerators growing up. Tell me about that. Well, uh, I, I, I'm, we're all very different. I mean, we have some similarities, but we're all different. That sounds serious. People don't like serious. We'll do a comedy sketch every episode. So you are a YouTuber. It's a hybrid, okay? It's a hybrid. It's, it's, it's a podcast with a visual element. I don't know, dude. I just don't want you to be that sad guy whose video has 312 views a year after it's published. No one's going to listen. What do you want me to do then? I think you know what needs to be done. Joe never steered me wrong before. Who wants to hear about Glow? Welcome back. Uh, today's guest on our show is the person that you've been watching in the comedy sketch with me just now. Uh, he is the unofficial tourism board manager of Corpus Christi, Texas, and a good personal friend of mine and a uh, help to me in many times of need while making this film. Please welcome to the show, Joseph Madro. Hey, thanks, bro. No, no problem. I was also part of the reason the uh, sketches were made, too, for this podcast. Yeah. I mean, that sketch was very true to life in yeah. that I brought up. I wanted to do a podcast, mm. and you thought it was a horrible idea. Yeah. And one of your one of your ideas was to, if I was going to do it, which you advised against heavily, uh, at the very least try and keep it as, as light as possible mm -hmm. instead of being very intense which I'm completely down with sure. you, you know that I'm not bullshitting you when I say that I love comedy and value comedians and that's mainly what we watched while we lived together in Corpus Christi for whatever four or five six months however sure. long that was sure but I um, kind of think that your comedy preferences uh, trend towards uh, melancholy and morose, whereas I think we should we should be a little more whimsical. Um, perhaps. Uh, I definitely think I like darker things than you like. Oh, there we go. You don't like Louis C.K. I like Louis. I mean, it's not like I. Yeah, I don't like him. Yeah, I don't. I I enjoy when a comedian goes, what most people would say, too far. I think that's often just the right amount, and I think most people are a little too safe. And just kind of massaging people's people's backs, and you're not really making anybody feel something that they're going to remember. Sure, but I think that a lot of times, and I'll say this about Louis C.K. I think that his uh, humor devolves into kind of the statement about uh, people and society being garbage mm -hmm. and not very good. And you know, I like comedians who push the envelope plenty. You know, uh, but they don't need to be so <sighs> upset. And, and cruddy. Okay. Well, let's talk about the sketch more. Why do you think that this will fail and 
really my all of my marketing ideas that I had for you. You really, oh, that, that'll never work. So you're asking specifically why I think the podcast is a bad yeah, idea, go not ahead. the sketch, because I think the sketch was actually it was okay. I mean, can I talk into the camera? You can. It's gonna have problems, and it's gonna be my fault because I don't do this very well. Anyways, Drew, um, who listens to podcasts? A lot of people. Who listens to podcasts that have an up-and-coming director who's made one film that nobody's seen, and uh, and he's not doing 20 cuts a minute trying to teach you how to slice an avocado? I've never seen one. That's the thing. It's not even that... I mean, maybe this proves your point, but I, I'm not aware of any director's first-time directors that have specifically done a podcast to promote a movie. I'm sure that there have been young directors, young filmmakers that have podcasts where they, they get on a mic and they, they, they ramble about Lawrence of Arabia for 60 minutes, and some people, a very small audience, people would find that interesting, and most people would find it really dull. And I think that my whole idea behind this podcast is I didn't want it to just be a film podcast. I didn't just want it to be like a nerd podcast where people can nerd out about independent filmmaking. Mm -hmm. I wanted it to be accessible uh, to people that are just curious about creativity and getting things up off the ground. And I, I think that there are plenty of podcasts out there that do focus on that right now that are successful. Well, you, you think there are. You don't know if there's any. I don't listen to those. But I have looked on iTunes before, and I've seen things that have similar descriptions. You recognize any of the names and the, with the people who are involved? I couldn't name you any of them right okay. now. No. Well, I mean, Drew, once again, I, I don't think this is the worst idea that you've come up with, but I think that by virtue of the fact that the, the cards are so stacked against you with just getting any of this out there, I think that this this could have been a, yeah maybe a huge waste of time maybe but it wouldn't be a huge waste of time because you know you have content to show for it you're able to reconnect with a number of different people and connect with some new people so it's not the worst thing that you've done ever I just think that your primary goal of using this as a means by which to reach people who want to see the film I don't think that's going to work but once again I don't think this was a waste of time it's kind okay. of fun. How generous of you. Um, <laughs> I'm just a Mother Teresa, dude. Yeah, yeah I, I do know. Throw some, throw some bones out. I do know. Yeah, I mean, I we had the conversation. I was like, okay, you shat on this idea. I go, well, you got anything better? And you really didn't. So well, it's like, I mean, at the end I... of the day, you have to do something. No, I do. I and I what are my gifts and talents? My Talking, perhaps? Sure. Uh, coming up with with comedy sure, ideas, sure, sure. Uh, getting in touch with people and getting things together. Sure, I think those are all gifts sure. of mine. It's like you have to use what you have. My idea specifically, uh, when when you asked me what's my idea, yeah, and I remember I shared this, is I said you need to do something that just can get your name out, and I proposed that you try and pull some kind of stunt, Magic Andrew. Mm, no. No. <laughs> the act would have been a great idea. It would, yeah. But, and, you know, that would have been also way easier to do. But um, I propose that you just do some kind of thing, like, where 
maybe you do some graffiti in a place everybody's going to see, and then as long as you're not caught doing it, you wouldn't have gotten in trouble, and that would have worked, because everybody would have seen it. Like, if there was some billboard going into Dallas, and you were like, see glow. So, get in touch with Banksy, somehow. Are you and, kidding me? No. And you can write letters. Commission. S-E-E. It would have looked so shitty. If I did again, we're talking about gifts matter. and talents here. Realistically sure. speaking, you think that I would have come up with a with excellently done graffiti the first time I've ever need, done it? It doesn't need to be excellent. It I think it needs, does if it was no. if it's going to have any kind of traction. If if you're going to get people to to share no, no, I mean, look, whatever and, image. Now, that you're we, talking now we're now we're disagreeing with this, which is that the point is the shock of the initial moment, and then it's there for everybody to see. So it's nothing that serious. Maybe you spray paint over a Chick-fil-A board or something. You go, e- equality sign. Yeah, that's... Equality sign, C-Glow. <laughs> so basically, pander to a specific audience and then just as an afterthought, say, C-Glow. If you put it... Yeah, <laughs> that's really how a lot of people do it. You, you pander. That's Macklemore won a Grammy from Pandemore. Pa- excuse me. <laughs> what, what's the word? From... Pandering. Pandering. You, I think you were trying to say Paramore because you were talking about uh, Grammys. I was going to say, yeah, I, I got confused. He won, he won a Grammy for Pandering. Exactly. Perhaps. He had a bad album that year. It was okay. And there were too much better rap albums that came out that year. Well, he even admitted as such. But with that being said, yeah. he kind of proved my point, didn't he? He pandered. He got a bunch more. Uh, he got his name out there more. I mean, has he done anything since? I have no idea. He made enough money off that first album that he can start his own small film deal now. He can do that. Is that what he's doing? I don't know, probably. I've whatever. Him and Ryan Lewis. Well, are let, let's be let's like a let's broaden let's broaden this a little bit. So sure. to to social media in general. So when we think about what posts, what topics do get a lot of traction on social media, I would agree it's pandering. Um, it's pandering or it's hot women, and then everything else. Going back to what you said about sure. it's it's nearly impossible to break through and to build an audience from nothing, but it does happen. And where I do see it happening, probably more so than podcasts, is in the video world, which is kind of why I insisted on sure. making this podcast have a visual element because I'm like just giving away all my secrets right now. Sure. Uh, there are YouTubers. I mean, we bring this up in the sketch. These people, nobody knows them from Adam. But if they make enough videos over time and they're kind of wacky and they're kind of goofy and they just make people feel a certain way for three minutes, then give it a year or two, they, they do have a huge audience. I don't have a year or two to amass that kind of audience, sure. uh, but I'm also putting in way more effort into my videos than their avocado slicing videos. <laughs> That's a lot of editing in those, Drew. Uh, tell us about Drew, Mr. Allen. Please uh, tell us about when we were roommates. I guess I haven't mentioned that yet. Yeah, uh, I lived with Joe for about five months in Corpus Christi, which is why I brought up Corpus Christi, because sure. you have this odd sort of allegiance to what sure. I would consider a shitty city. Sure. Uh, but there were many good times, mm-hmm. and it is related to GLOW, and that the specific reason I went out there is because I decided I was going to couch surf for about a year to save money after I went broke uh, for the second year in a row because I spent all of it on shooting the movie. So that's why I was there. 
And then we did live with some Eastern European girls, some Polish girls, mm -hmm. by Maria and Karolina, if you ever watch this, which I'm sure they will. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll send it to them. I'm expecting them to. Yes. And uh, there, there, were, there were many good times. Uh, and I do think that th that's a time in my life for, you know, it was only a couple months, but sure. I did kind of take my first break mentally sure. from putting a lot of pressure on myself with the movie, even though I was, was still working on it, and it was more so about the relationships that I was making during those sure. months. And uh, that's probably why both of us to this day have a, a specific affection for for these girls, just as friends, just because we have uh, sure. those those memories of kind of being a little family, sure. a family of young people, sure. going to the beach and making food for each other mm -hmm. and learning each other's language a little bit better. Although yeah. we still really suck at Polish. Well, he sucks. He meaning you. Yeah, I don't think you're good at Polish. You rozumiem po polsku? Kurwa. Dzień dobry. Kurwa spierdalaj. Oh, come on, that was terrible. That was terrible? Spierdalaj. I don't think that's right. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll hear about it later. Anyways, uh, I'd like to point out that the city of Corpus Christi is uh, of paramount importance in that story. And regardless of how you may not give a credence to what happened, the feel of the city was very pertinent in that summer. And in your life for that moment. Because it is kind of a laid-back beach place. And I think it helped you to come down a little bit. And it allowed us all to relate a little better to each other. Because there were no airs being I think it's on. more of a blank... It's it's more of a, a blank canvas of a city mm. where it is what you make of it. That's sure. it's, it's how the country is, too. It's like the beach version of the country, in a way. Sure. Like, you have to make your own social life. You sure. have to, to, you know, make it happen instead sure. of a bunch of things coming to you sure. and fighting for your Which attention, fighting for your money. Which inherently makes people more interesting when they have to create their own fun. It does. Perhaps. You think about UT. Cool <laughs> people were from the Valley, East Texas, West Texas, Corpus Christi. You're incredibly biased here. No way. I'd say people from Houston were pretty cool, but you guys sucked. And people from Austin. Why are you were friends with me then? Horrid. Why are you friends with me? Because I have an affinity for strange things. You said it yourself. Did I say that? Kind of. Well, you said shitty, but I didn't want to be that rude. Okay. Yeah. This is such a loving, hey, I think a loving conversation. The people at home are going to be like, oh, wow, all these interviews are going to be so raw and fun and personal. And then they're yeah. going like, to stop after the third one. I will say this. I appreciate <laughs> that uh, I think the world is, is too nice or people act too nice to each sure. other when they're really not, they don't have that feeling towards them. Sure. Of like, oh, things are so great. And I, I think that's an important I, I do I do like that about our relationship is we do dislike or maybe even hate certain things about each other. And we tell each other. Sure. And I think that that's, that's, that's kind of refreshing. Sure. I don't think I can have, I can act as shitty to most people as I can to you. Sure. Not that I ever want to mistreat you. Absolutely. But as far as, Telling you, just being like, wow, what a piece of shit you are right now. <laughs> I think that's kind of beautiful. Sure, I, I agree. And the world, the world is too fake nice right now. Sure. And that's why everybody thinks they're awesome at everything, sure. even though 
We're clearly not. We're clearly a very flawed species that sure. dies of obesity and heart disease and kills each other. Yeah, and yeah. I'd say, yeah. you know, I'd say also, um, I don't necessarily agree with the whole people are too nice thing. Uh, I think that in general, we need to be more nice to each other, just like when we're out and about. If you're at the grocery store, be nice to somebody. You know, uh -huh. I mean? you don't need to like be real nice. But, you know, smile. So once you get hello. once you get to know somebody, then you can. You need to be honest with each other. Be child. shitty, yeah. Not and, and that shouldn't be your not, goal. And that's that's not the said. goal. That's not yeah, the yeah, goal. Yeah. And I, and I that, get the it. The way you phrased it was very well, which is that once you actually have a personal connection with somebody, you need to uh, be honest with them. You should still be nice, you know. Uh, and then if you have a certain way of relating, like you and I. It, we're mean to each other, but it's it's for the sake of usually we laughing about it. Yeah. Uh, in, inside, I'm laughing a lot. Like when you wince and like a tear comes to your eye. Sometimes I'll step out of the room, just giggle, giggle, giggle. But outside of that, um, yeah, we have a responsibility as men and friends and equals to be like, hey, dude, stop being so damn weird for a day. Or you're like, that, hey, man, you're fat. Yeah, I've Stop said, being fat. I've said things like that, yeah. You have, yeah. You've never listened. I mean, kind of. I can't eat like a rabbit, dude. I don't know how you do this. Andrew, you live I off eat, like... I eat fine. You live off of like chickpeas. There's a lot like of people that's, that I have a reputation of, oh, he he's the guy that eats a lot. Well, yeah, but you like eat a lot of If you like, have me over for dinner, like then... Like three servings he'll... of chickpeas with hot sauce. I'll be like, ooh, splurging today, dog. Whatever. <laughs> let's talk about film. Okay. Uh, let's bring it back to kind of social media and film. Um, how do you think that Stanley Kubrick <laughs> and his career would have gone today if he was, if Stanley Kubrick was still Stanley and he still had the, he wanted to make the exact kind of movies that he, he ended up making. Which is like these, these high art, but at the same time very populist movies that were kind of meant to be iconic and consumed by sure. a lot of people and not really for a specific one niche of an audience it's it's kind of makes like universal sure. m movies i would say how would he survive or would he survive in today's again social media driven pandering driven sure world? i'll say this about kubrick um I think that when somebody is skilled and is very good at what they do, they find a way to succeed. Even yeah. if technically they're a dinosaur or something. Um, and if we look at three of his films that I guess doesn't everybody kind of agree, they're, they're all masterpieces of The Shining, Eyes Wide Shut, and 2001 A Space Odyssey. Those are all very successful, right? Yeah. People like those movies. Yeah. Each one of those movies was very accessible to people while at the same time being esoteric right sure who's to say i mean i, th I think i think he'd keep going and being good it's it's more so again what i'm getting at uh -oh. is acquiring the resources to accomplish a vision uh the world today doesn't specifically the film industry today i don't think really values specific vision i think it values things that will appeal, going back to the pandering comments, sure. things that will appeal to as 
many people as possible. Well, then allow me to change my answer again. Okay. Sorry. Sure. Um, truth um, permeates to everybody, even when they don't want it to. Yes. And um, Kubrick um, was usually pandering, if I may, um, some kind of narrative that related to understanding reality and what was in it. And I think that that stuff still reaches out to everybody. And I think that even though a lot of people, maybe if uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey came out now, it probably wouldn't be like a blockbuster hit. No, but would it turn a profit? I believe so. And I think that any one of his films after that would get more and more popular because truth is correct and uh, people respond to it. Well, that's a very hopeful I, I do believe thing to that say, and I hope you're right. Yeah. I honestly do. Question. Your last question. My last question. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, so the question that I do like to bring up to everybody that comes on the show, because it's part of the premise of the show. Sure. Creation is crazy. It's about how it's insane to to think I can create, to basically think I can be a god, to I can take nothing and turn it into something. Now, in reality, every bit of creation from a human mind is coming from things that we have absorbed and that things that have been put into us, almost like programmed into us genetically. Uh, we have images, we have interests that pour out from us involuntarily, and then we do take from other things that we that we get from experiencing life. That said, the, the concept of creating is still a foreign concept to, to the human brain, and there's always resistance, there's always hardship that comes with that because we don't necessarily sense that power in us all the time. You're a creative guy, whether you end up doing that with your life or not as far as your career goes. I know that that you like to make jokes, hmm. that you you do think about a lot of ideas, you're passionate about certain topics, and that involves creativity and coming up with your own theories about things, your own, you know, hopefully truth sure. about things. What what gets in your way? What is your roadblock in your mind of like, I can't create today, I can't write my script, I can't come up with a comedy sketch for Drew to look over, like, what is it? Okay. Uh, I guess in a number of ways, I'm still tied to uh, just general uncertainty about what specifically it is that I want to do, which is that I'll say something like, I, I have like sheets of paper with ideas for scripts on them, but at the end of the day, I say to myself, do I really care about this? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, th I mean, even seeing you put even more doubt into my head because I've seen you just, like, bulldoze your way into, I'm gonna do this. It's happening. In spite of the fact that everything's still standing in front of you. And I just go to myself, do, do I care as much as Drew about any of my stupid little ideas? And some, there's moments where I'm like, I'm ready to do this. I'm in. Let's start today. And then I just kind of remember, you know, this, this probably isn't what I should do. And the reason I feel that way is simply because 
I don't know really how I feel about it. I think maybe the thing that I'm waiting for with anything in my life is, uh, I just need to see the iron get hot at some point, and then I'll strike it. I need something to go off of. And I'd say that that's probably my deal with with creation, as far as I'm concerned, is that the question boils down to, do I actually care about this enough to do it? And usually I'm left going, I don't know. And I think that if you say I don't know, then you shouldn't do it. I would agree, but I also think just as an exercise in creation mm-hmm. and saying, okay, well, let's, let's create something shitty uh, just to see if I even enjoy the act sure. of doing it. Sure. Uh, I think you got to try anything until you do know if you love it. Like, I didn't just wake up and say, oh, I'll be a filmmaker. Like, I talk about this on the show. Like, there's, there were a lot of really, really bad movies that I made growing up just to do it that that I then learned okay yeah this is cool sure but you understand how it's different from a sub 17 year old making bad movies on their own to a guy who's 26 and he's just kind of making it up going yeah I'll give this a shot I get, I get what you're saying you're, not, a, you're, you're not, not an old man but you're right which is that you know you need to get your hands dirty yeah if you want to try and make something but it just kind of boils down to like I said, I don't know if I'm passionate about art. Okay. Yeah. Well, again, I don't think that all all creativity is art. You know? Sure. Engineers are creative people. Uh, even, I don't know, people that, people that just talk to people for a living, like sales salespeople. They got to come up with, like, creative ways to sure. pitch to people. I don't know. No, no, no. So, I, I completely agree. With that. I don't. I don't really like when people say, "Oh, I'm not creative." I'm like, "Yeah, everybody's creative." Yeah, the, you know. There's different what sides. What they mean to, to it. say is, "I'm not creative in a way anybody's going to care about." What that they would make money from? And that might be true for me. So, Drew, this is why I was hoping you'd make it because I'm going to tag along. That's right. my iron getting hot. That's why you stayed at my place for a couple months without it being a problem. You had the best summer of your life. Yeah, hopefully not. hopefully not. It was a good summer. It's a good one. It was a good summer. You're not going to top that one. We had an excellent party that summer. Everybody at home, there was a great party. There's no pictures of it because we didn't assign anybody to do that. Yeah. We should have. Yeah. But it was great. It was good. It was a fun party. Mm-hmm. It's a good party. Well, Joe, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Sure. Um, thanks for driving out here to Austin, shooting the sketches with me. Sure. And uh, do, you, do you have any... Any plugs? Do you have anything that you want to, or even just like a message, oh, a, a last it. word to Drew, tell your audience? Drew, thanks for being my friend. Wow. I do mean that. And uh, thanks for being a part of my life, even in a minimal way, because this is one of those relationships that helps to define uh, the meaning of my existence. Is that there's somebody here who needs my help and who I can help and who's, you know, trying to do something even if it's flawed and uh, could go any number of ways. And I think that uh, I, uh, I genuinely appreciate that you exist. Drew, I'm glad that you're chasing your dreams and that you're trying to accomplish something, and I'm glad that I can be a part of it in some way. And I think it's going to work, 
Uh, maybe not this attempt, but maybe the next one. Who knows? Who knows how it's going to work? You're gonna, I think it, it's worth it. And I'd like to plug Corpus Christi. Everybody go to Corpus. Be nice about it. Come with an open mind. Uh, everybody think about God if you can. And if not, get a $5 boombox at Sonic. Okay. And uh, again, Joe, thanks for coming on. Um, and thanks for saying all that. that yeah, means uh, you can follow me at Andrew H. Allen. You can follow Studio Loco at L Studio Loco, E L Studio Loco. And you can follow the progress of Glow at Glow Movie on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Joe, once again, thanks for coming out, man. And uh, we will see you next week. <laughs>